Okay, I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive in. And uh, so would you pray with me? Would you close your eyes and take a deep breath, and, and let's just pause our minds and our hearts for a moment as we prepare to, to look into Scripture and listen to Jesus together. God, as we mentioned that song, how great you, uh, you are, um, how great thou art, that God, you, you in this place and in our hearts and our minds, we, we want to constantly, regularly, always be acknowledging you as the only one that is great, that you alone are unique and above and beyond and outside of and before, during and after all things. And so we worship you as the one true God and declare that you are perfect, that you are righteous, that you are just, that you are full of mercy and forgiveness and grace. And because of that, we we have life and hope. And Holy Spirit, would you work and move, not just in this space and not just in this moment, but would you work in us? Would you soften our hearts? Would you awaken our minds? Would you prepare us for what it is that you are calling us to and inviting us into? Some of us this morning need healing. Others of us need conviction. And so we can't do that on our own in our own planning or preparedness. And so we rely and depend on you, Holy Spirit. And Jesus, as we sing to you, as we've already sung this morning, that we want you to be the anthem of our heart, that the song that our heart sings, we want to be written by and shaped by and directed by you. We want you to be the anchor of our soul. There are so many other anchors available to us that are so faulty and so frail and so limited that we're reminded of how much we need you to be the anchor of our soul that is the one that is strong enough to hold us, that you've conquered death, that you've risen again, and we can rely and depend on you, and we need you. And so, Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. We've been in a series that we've called Gardens, Houses, Families, and the Future of Our Church. And um, we've really shaped, uh, there's a passage in Jeremiah that Kim's going to read in just a moment that we've taken this idea from, um, but there's three questions that we want this series to lead us to, and they're actually questions that I believe that we're all asking in some way or another. Uh, You might not use the same words, but they're questions that we're not only asking, but we're answering in some way. It might be unintentional, we might not even be aware of it, but these are questions that humans just regularly ask and answer. And so we want to stop and go, hey, these are really important questions that shape and frame our lives. Let's be intentional about them, and let's be intentional about them as a church. And so these three questions are this. Gardens leads us to ask this question of what sustains your life. Another way to say this is, what is it that you worship? What is it that you love? What is it the thing that, that sustains and shapes your identity and, and your life? And we want to answer that with the God of the universe and his son, Jesus Christ. And how we do that as a church really matters. The second question comes in this idea of houses, of where has God placed you? We asked that last week. We're going to continue today. And then the third question that we want this series to ask and answer is around families. Uh, who, who are you with? We're all with somebody who, who are we doing life with? Are they our family or how do we make them the family that God wants to provide for us? So those are those three questions. It comes from this place in, in Jeremiah. In Jeremiah, we are looking at something that happens actually a lot during scripture, but we're looking at a people group that is suddenly disrupted and in pretty, pretty traumatic circumstances and their exiles. This is about 600 years before Jesus came and um, the prophet Jeremiah is talking to them. And one of the things we know is that 
God is present with us. So when we're looking at scripture, we're looking at what does this tell us about God and what does this tell us about me? What does this tell me about me? And I just love this because in the middle of all of the disruption and all of um, just life taking a turn that is so, so bad, being, being taken into exile, um, this, is, this is the instruction that Jesus gives, that God gives. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Listen to this. It's so simple and so great. Build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. That's good. Yeah. That's true. That's in there. Okay. <laughs> You're going to stop there. That's good. There's more, but that's... Keep going? Yes, keep going. Okay. Oh, to yeah. seven. I'm this sorry. Totally take one. Take two is going to be excellent. <laughs> this is great. I go through seven. Okay. Actually, can I just start that over? It's worth repeating. We'll do it on the second take. Yeah. It's... Okay. No, go this ahead. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. One of the, the reasons we've gone back to this over and over through this series is that um, we're watching and looking at and being reminded of a people that experienced significant transition, that their whole lives were upended. Um, and we have not, as a, as a church and as a city, as a nation, we have not been conquered by another nation and we've all been shipped off to another land. That's, that's different. That's not the same. But we've experienced a pandemic that has not just changed life, but it's revealed some things about our just daily lives in this point in history, in this, in this country, and in our city, in our region specifically. And so we're going to this passage and saying, here's where God provided answers and direction. What can we glean from this and learn from this? And, and these three things, gardens, houses, families, that God said, hey, in, in the midst of crazy transition and disruption, and life is never going to look the same again, here's what I want you to do. And essentially, it's that, that first one, to build houses and, and settle down. And in that, what he's saying is, I'm with you. I'm faithful. I'm never going to leave you. Even though you're gone from Jerusalem, you're gone from your land that was promised, you're gone from the temple where I was dwelling and I was with you and your whole life functioned and was in a rhythm around that. All that is gone and you're in such this disoriented moment. Know this, I'm with you. And live in such a way that demonstrates that you know that I'm with you. And so do the things that you do. Plant a garden and then harvest it and eat from it. Build a house so that you have shelter and live there. Put in roots as if you're going to be here and you know that I am with you. Don't think that this is just going to flip and change back. And so I find so much help and, and direction in this. The, the second question that this series is intended to ask is around houses of where has God placed you? And if you were with us last week or if you listened last week or watched, what we did is, is go through five, what I called five addresses. And it, it, it's a way to shape the entire story of the Bible. 
So we did it real quickly, um, or as some of my team told me, not as quickly as intended, but um, we went through five addresses where God is present with his people. In creation, in the tabernacle, which is a traveling tent, in the temple in Jerusalem, in his son, Jesus, and then in me and you who are the church. And we read that in scripture and see that God is now present with us. And so what what I said last week is we want to kind of do a biblical framework last week and then this week come back and kind of talk about part two um, as as we think about houses of where has God placed you and talk about what that looks like for us as a church. So picking up where we left last week, will you read the the, uh, passage in in 1 Peter, which Peter's actually writing this letter to, and he he starts it by saying to to those who are exiled, so exile, so there's a similarity in, in, the, in, in the story of Babylon, mm-hmm. um, but this is in the New Testament. Yeah, First Peter 2, 4 to 5. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, uh, priesthood. Um, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I love that because I just love the idea that we as his church, when Tim got to the last address, that we are the church that that God is um, had been in the temple and now he is in us. So I don't know if you've, if you've seen this slogan, it's a little, um, it can be a little on the cheesy side, but it also is so meaningful, but the church has left the building. Have you seen that? The church has left the building. When we walk out these doors, we don't actually leave the church. We're still the church. And that's one of the things I think this is talking about, what God is doing with us. He is making us, he's building us into a spiritual house. There's so much in that. We don't want to stop. We want to kind of move what this, what this means for us personally. I think it's, as a, as a church, I think it's also helpful to back up to, uh, to Acts 1.8 and and. What's happening there is that, that Jesus has just ascended, he's, he's left. And so if you think of Jesus as an address of being present, you know, he walked around Galilee, he walked around Israel and the land, he was, he was here present physically, and then he ascended. And so if you can think of it, God, God was present in Jesus and then he's, he's ascended into heaven and that address moved, moved back to heaven in a sense. But then his Holy Spirit is here with each and every one of us. And the moment that that happened, there was this great story that we read last week, but, but in Acts 1-8, there's this forecasting of that and it says this, and these are Jesus's words before he ascends. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And, and that's so helpful to frame that Jesus is pointing to places. Jesus is answering that question and it's different for all of us. It's not the same for all of us. This is a, we have a different answer to this question of where has God placed you? And Jesus is forecasting that. He's saying, I'm gonna be with you through the person of the Holy Spirit. And there's actually gonna be not just presence, but power. And that, that might be uncomfortable or weird to think about, that not only is God present with us, but there's, a, there's Holy Spirit power with us wherever we go, and we're to, to be going always. And that doesn't mean that we move and, and change addresses all the time. But what it means is that wherever we are, that God has sent us right there. And he's saying to his first followers, I'm going to send some of you to Jerusalem and some of you to other parts of this country and Judea. And, and then some are going to go to Samaria, which you don't want to go, but I'm going to send you there. And then to the ends of the earth, and that's where it loops all of us in. 
So we're actually included right there in that verse. And then another one that we read last week was uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 16. And it says this, Do you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? It's, it's a question. Do, do you not know this? And so if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, or if you're listening in and you're like, I'm not sure I believe in Jesus, this isn't talking about you yet. If you choose to follow Jesus, then this is, will become true of you. That God dwells with you, that wherever you are, we, we need to, to grow and we need to be discipled for those moments in our life when we feel like God's gone. I don't feel God. He's not here. And just like the, the people that were exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon, God was telling them, I'm with you even though you don't feel like it. Even if you don't have the reference point of the temple to go back to, I, I'm with you. And I love this question. And Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians, do you know that you yourselves are God's temple? That, that there's not a, the temple hasn't been rebuilt. Like we don't have a, we don't have a place that we travel to as a follower of Jesus, there's no location that we're called to once in our life, like other religions, to go and travel there and to be present in a physical place. It's great if you can get a trip to, to Israel sometime in your life. I mean, that's an amazing experience, but, but that's not a call for us because God is with us where we are, that, that we are this sense of temple. And I realize that for some of us, that, that takes us in all different directions. Well, um, do you know what I've done with my temple? we can get to that. That'll be another talk for another time. It's a really important question. But for this right now, as you think about what it meant to, to build a house and settle down, it's asking the question of where has God placed you? And, and this, is, this is it, that his spirit is with you wherever you are and he dwells with you. Where we are, where we live, where God has put us, at this point in our life, and it may, may not be for very much longer, it might be for the rest of our lives, we don't know that. But wherever God places you physically, the place that he's put you in really, really matters. And so what we wanna do right now in the next few moments is to, um, is to just kinda process that a little bit. And we know this is a little different. Most times when we open up scripture together on a Sunday, it's one person up here talking, but I wanted to invite Kim and do this together um, as we've been praying and dreaming about it for quite a while. Um, and so I, I, I've got a question for you. As, as we think about this, like, like God's present with you, as you process that question of where has God placed you, what, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Like, how, where do you go with that? Yeah, this is... Um... This is interesting because we're, we're talking place, but I think inherent in place is also the context and the time and what's happening around or in the place, right? And so we are, we're in a place, but we're, we're experiencing culture, culturally some pretty huge transitions. And within that is just a, a weariness. So I think we're culture, we're, we're, we're in a place and time where we're tired, where we're depleted. And um, er early in the pandemic, there was a, a concept that was blogged about and written about. And, and some of you here in the medical field or the counseling field are probably aware of it, but some of you might remember this um, surge capacity. Does that sound familiar, surge capacity? It started to bubble up again. And what it is, is it's 
adaptive systems within us that God has created in human beings that when we face something that's like a natural disaster, something that is um, really difficult, really painful, we have an ability within us to kind of muscle up and get through it. And one of the amazing things, and we saw this at the beginning of the pandemic, is there was a lot of like creativity that came out of that. A lot of um, kind of um, ingenuity, people, new ways of connecting, new ways. People adapted really fast. How are we going to meet? How are we going to do things? How are we going to worship together? But what happens is that that is actually something that gets depleted in us. It's something that's just meant for kind of really fast um, uh, tragedies and natural disasters. And we all kind of went into the pandemic like that, like, oh, we can get through this, right? Like, we can get through this together. And uh, we're still in it. And it's still not normal and it's not going back to normal. And I think more and more we're aware of this. And so as I've been thinking about myself, as my husband and I have been talking, friends and I have been talking, I've talked with a lot of you. One of the things I hear is, I'm just so tired and I, I'm not even doing that much, but I'm so exhausted. I just, and, and almost like a guilt and a shame. Like I just, why can't I do what I used to do. Why, why, is, why are things so hard? I don't even have it that hard. That's one of the things when you say um, place, mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the place that we're in. We're in it, a lot of us individually. We're also in it in our workplaces, in our schools. We're in it in our neighborhoods and in our city, I think, for sure. Yeah, what do you think? So, so you think, you think of like almost assessing or discerning like where where are the people that are around yeah, you and what's I, going on definitely and... where yeah what are people experiencing around me what are we all kind of experiencing as a group of people what are some of the characteristics of um of kind of moods or attitudes that i'm seeing and it's just it's i just kind of just hear uh just a weariness and depletion hmm. yeah Kind of makes me want to take a nap. Like that's that's <laughs> what I'm thinking. Like, yeah, and yeah. It's, I also think surge protector, but that's different than a surge. <laughs> what did you say? Surge, surge capacity. Surge capacity. So, um, oh, you asked what yeah, what I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to wake my brain up now because I kind of. I, I like, took a nap I'm during tired, the first tired. first. Great. That's first good. Good. Reading, so. That's funny. Um, I, I think of, I guess it's similar. The first thing that comes to my mind is, um, is similar in assessing like what's going on in the people around me. And um, this is going to sound really kind of maybe, maybe nerdy, but um, when I think of where I'm placed and ask that question, the, f the first idea that comes into my mind is, is uh, that we live in a, in a post-Christian city. Um, and you're like, you might hear that and go like, oh, that's really lame, or I don't know what that means, or I don't care. Or you might think like, yeah, I, I know exactly what that is. So um, I just, get, I come back to it over and over and over again. I, I grew up in a home that loved Jesus. My parents um, still love Jesus and each other. Um, I'm the only one of my graduating class that that's true of. Um, that's the only one of my friends. I don't have any other friends who both parents are still alive, both love Jesus, and, and they love each other. They haven't, haven't been divorced. Um, and, uh, and so 
I knew that when, when our family moved to, to Portland, um, even though we were moving from Los Angeles to Portland, I, 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 I felt the, the difference. This was now 14 years ago, but um, stepping into a different cultural setting. And so um, it's been a long learning process of what does that actually mean? And so I, I wanna read something um, because you, you might hear that term and like just tune out. And so please tune back in and let me define it for you. Um, what it means to live in a post-Christian city, because it, 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 that, that's where we live. Portland, Vancouver, the, the West Coast, the, the Pacific Northwest in particular is one of the most post-Christian. And just broadly defined what it means is that there was a time when most majority of people held to some kind of collective um, belief about the God of the universe, specifically about Jesus, and would kind of identify as, I'm, I'm a Christian. Um, and we hear all sorts of statistics thrown around of our nation of how many people still identify as Christian, and it's rapidly declining. And um, collectively, the nation is still catching up to both the Pacific Northwest and the Northeast. So we live in one of the two points in our country that is far more post-Christian than the rest. If, you, if you've studied uh, any kind of history or, or cultural changes globally, Western, we're, we're trying to catch up to Western Europe. We're not gonna make it their, their way ahead, but um, a, a Christian region is now completely um, d not based around the church or Jesus or what the Bible says or any of that. Barna, which if you, if, if you know that, great. If you don't know who Barna is, it's a research group that does statistics and research for our nation. Christian, they're, 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 they're asking questions about faith. They define, um, they, they used metrics to de determine cities and how post-Christian they are, and they asked these 15 questions. So just listen to these. I'm gonna rattle them off real quick. You can, you can listen so much faster than I can talk, so you'll catch all this, I'm certain. Here's the 15 um, that they're asking people in cities um, to answer yes or no. Do you believe in God? Identify as atheist or agnostic. Disagree that faith is important in their lives. Have not prayed to God in the last year. Have never made a commitment to Jesus. Disagree the Bible is accurate. Have not donated money to a church in the last year. Have not attended a Christian church in the last year. We're going to count online and Zoom and those kind of things. Agree that Jesus committed sins. Jesus did not commit sins. So if you agree with that, then you're that puts you in the post-Christian range. Do not feel a responsibility to share their faith. Certainly, if you don't have a faith, you're not gonna feel responsible to share it. Have not read the Bible in the last week. <clears throat> I'll keep going. Have not volunteered at church in the last week. Have not attended Sunday school in the last week. Have not attended a religious small group in the last week. Do not participate in a house church in the last year. What they did is if you answered nine out of 15 yes, then you were... That was, a, that was the, kind of the baseline for post-Christian. If you, if you said yes to 12 out of those 15, you're highly post-Christian. And you might be saying like, well, I said yes to four. So take a deep breath, relax. Our city where we live is highly post-Christian. We know that, we feel that, we live that, we experience that. And so when I ask the question of myself, where am I placed? This is the first thing I think of. I'm placed in a, in a mission field where God has put me around so many people that don't know him yet. Now, that's tremendously difficult when you're raising kids. It's tremendously difficult when you're working around a bunch of people who have ideas and ideologies and thoughts and values and life's way of living and decision-making, all that that is not centered around Jesus, which is why we need one another, right? That's why we ask that first question of 
what's your garden? You know, what sustains your life? Because if it's anything that's out there available to us in the city, it's not going to go well. But if it's the God of the universe and his son Jesus, then we're going to have life as he intended it. But that's, that's the first thing I think of. Yeah, I, I mean, I think when you say that, I think it's really interesting because I think, um, you know, you and I get to work on staff in a church where we get to um, pray in the morning when we come together. We get to um, lead people who are, who are part of um, wanting to know more about Jesus or wanting to grow in their faith or wanting to lead others in that. But I also look around this room and I also know that so, so many of you are actually living that reality day to day. We, we know it conceptually and we know it in our neighborhoods. We know it when we go to the store, when we drive down the streets, when we go out in our city. But I know so many of you are, are living that all the time. So I just was thinking about that when you were, you were talking that um, um, to, ha- to, be in, to be sent and in places where really this is the exception in the week. This yes. is the exception in the week, yeah. We intentionally answered these questions the way that we did. The surge capacity, that we're tired, that, there's, that we're, we're processing what life looks like now, and we live in a place where there's so much opportunity to, to be Jesus to others, to really be his presence and power to others, because we need to hear both of those today and be, and be aware of that. Two things we want to do quickly is, is give you kind of a, a list to think through, kind of a grid to think through as you answer this question for yourself of where has God placed you, uh, and then a little exercise that we want to encourage you to do, and, and I'll, I'll share mine with you. I've, I've done it, but um, the, the f- first is uh, just four words, and, and we want you to pick one to think through when you answer this question. Um, the first one is, where do you live? Um, so that's, that's really easy, your address. When we say, where has God placed you, that, that might be the most natural place that you, you think of. And um, Abby and I have been in our, our home now for 14 years, and uh, we know our neighbors, and we think about um, that's, that's where we live, and we see people on a regular basis, and some we know, and some we, we don't know, and we go through that regular process. And so um, when you think about answering that question of where has God placed you, where you live is probably first and foremost on, on most of your lives. And so if that's the one you want to pick, great. We want to give you three others real quickly um, that you might choose and that you might be more drawn to. Yeah, one of those is um, where do you work? For so many of us, the majority of our hours are actually not spent at home. The majority of our waking hours are spent at work. So where, um, where do I work and um, what does it look like around me? Who are the people who are around me in the cubicles next to me or... Um, waiting tables with me. And I just want to take a minute to um, just share a story here. I'm so inspired by my husband. So he is a bartender in a restaurant downtown called Bullard. Go, go see him. Uh, he'd love to see you. And um, one, of the, one of the ways he has gone on into this new job is he is just trying to learn everybody's name. And he just feels like he's called to be kind of a missionary pastor. So he's He's gifted to be a pastor. He cares deeply about people. He wants to, um, you know, shepherd them in their lives to, to what's good and what's right and what will actually benefit them. He's experienced that in his own life, and so that's what he wants to overflow with to others. And so he comes home and he talks about the the people. I don't I don't really experience that in my job. So I am always so inspired by him when he comes home and he's talking about, oh, I learned so and so's name, and and this is what their life is like, and it, this is like. When we say post-Christian, 
the restaurant industry in Portland is is post-Christian. So he's he's working in that environment and he he is already just kind of naturally as a Jesus follower there in the restaurant thinking, um, who can I love? Who can I pray for? Who can I point to Jesus? So I love that. So where you work. And yeah, where you work. <laughs> Jared's been a bartender for 20 years in Portland. And yeah. so the story, I just, just want to celebrate that as well. Because the seeing yourself as a as a missionary pastor where you work and for some of you are like like no way where has god placed you there's a there's there's a chance that you might be the only person that your coworker ever knows that knows jesus um you also might be thinking like well if you know what i've said at work before then maybe i'm disqualified and so well we'll see about that maybe maybe not but <laughs> Third place is this, uh, where do you play? Um, and so where, what's a hobby for you? Where, where do you, um, maybe where do you work out? Um, what's not work, but that you do regularly that's just for fun? Uh, maybe you're in a, a, a running club or um, you're at the climbing gym all the time. I've got a friend I was talking to this week, I had coffee with him and he's in a play right now. It's not his full-time job, it's a side gig that he does because he's really good in the theater and he's in a, in a play right now that's playing in Portland and he said, I am the only one in our entire cast and crew that I know of that, that knows Jesus. And they think I am the weirdest guy uh, because I know Jesus. And he is, he's a bit of a weird guy, but he's like, I'm, I'm the, the weirdest guy. And when they, and they, they tease me because of my faith and I get to tease them because of their atheism, which that's his strategy. So if that works, then that's great. But he's like, I've built these relationships where we can go back and forth and we're getting to know each other. And he's like, and I I'm so excited to go there and to go to rehearsal and now that it's playing to go to the performances and to go out afterwards and I get to be Jesus to them and he's, he's invigorated by it and he enjoys it and he loves it. You told me this story earlier and you told me one, one night they went out after <laughs> and... Um, well, he, he, took yeah. a, he took another friend who came to see opening night, um, who, a, a friend of his, a couple, and, and they were Jesus people as well. And he, and he, he went out with them and, and then they left dinner early and they, they said, oh man, it was so good to get to know your friends. And I get, oh yeah, they go to my church with me. They're, they're good friends of mine. And they're like, wait, 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 you know other, other people like you? Like we thought you were like the lone, like, whoa, this is, this is weird. And we, we actually kind of already, you know, tipped our hand. We said we liked them. And so now that's like two Jesus, three people, three Jesus people that we like, like what's going on here. So anyways, yeah, I, I, I loved hearing how he's talking about being a part of the play right yeah, now. It's so cool. Um, such like openness, mm -hmm. not, I, I know he, yeah, it's, it's, inspiring. So um, I know also for uh, many of you in this room, it's it, that the fourth place is that you can consider is um, where you learn. So I'm looking around the room. If you're a student, would you be just brave enough? What, whatever, if you're in grade school, if you're in college, if you're postgrad, would you just raise your hand if you're a student? Awesome. There's a lot of students here. There's a lot of people who are in college or local grade schools or high school, and um, you're there and you have something that you can give to the people around you. Last week I had the joy of being in Mosaic Kids classes, and um, one of our kids, um, we had a, a, prayer, a prayer time, so we said, what are we thankful for? And what do we wanna talk to God about? What, and she said, can we pray for a new student in my class? She's really shy. And um, I just want, 
I just want to pray for her that she'd be more comfortable in class and make friends. Right? Like, right? Should we all go back to Mosaic Kids? <laughs> that is so, I mean, just the heart to pray for another student. I, I just love that. So I look around at you students here, and I just think, like, oh, our city, we, when we, we know um, what is happening in colleges and schools, and we know that they are full, they are overflowing with people who don't know Jesus and don't know life and him, and you are there for a reason, you're there because you have something that you can offer as you're learning, as you're growing, as you're getting equipped for what's next in your life, you actually have something that you can give to the people around you. One of the things I said last week is that wherever God has placed you, it's not by accident and it's not unintentional. That God has you there for a reason and he wants to use you. No matter how frail or failed you might feel, um, God actually wants to work through you wherever you are. And the last thing we want to do is, you know, if you think through that list of uh, the four things, is to pick one today, this week, and, and to say this is where I think the primary place that God has placed me in this season right now. So pick one, live, work, play, learn. Pick one of those. And then um, there's an exercise here. I don't even know that there's a, a name for it. I got, I got it out of a book called The Art of Neighboring. And um, it's just a grid. It's basically like a tic-tac-toe grid with you in the center. That's me in the center. Um, so that, that's you. And the, it, these are pictures of houses, but if it needs to be, you know, climbing gyms or theaters or the bar that you work at or the school that you learn at, that, it, can, it can be those. But who are the people that come to mind that are right around you? And so I've done this for my neighborhood, and I've got, so there's, there's that's nine boxes. I'm in one. There's eight others. And it's the names of my neighbors that I know. Um, and I have like um, guy's name and then wife because I forget his wife's name all the time. Um, one is like three doors down on our right. Um, I don't know any of them, but it's a whole crew of dudes that live there. Like they all rent out the house together, and it's the the kind of dudes that open up the um, the garage door all the time so that you can know that they're constantly working out. It's it's those dudes. Um, don't know any of them yet. I know our neighbors behind us, which um, we are friends with, and. And no, and I've, I've got names of a few others that we're not in deep relationship with, but that we know. And so um, doing this this week and writing these names down here is, has, if you do this and you, you can, um, it's just a tic-tac-toe. And so write tic-tac-toe, put yourself in, in the middle. If you don't know how to play tic-tac-toe, you always take the middle square first. So just do that, write your name in there and then take time and write. And you can draw a face. If you don't know a name, you can describe the person, but write the people that God has put you amongst. Write the ones of the, of the name around you and then just pick one and start praying for them this week. This is an easy thing to do and it, it helps orient this deep, significant biblical truth that God has placed us among people. God wants to use you in the lives of those ar around you, wherever you are right now. You might be there for another six months. You might be there for the next six decades but God has put you among people because he wants to reach them, love them, introduce them to himself through you in, in some way. This is a really simple and easy thing, um, but it's tic-tac-toe, put yourself in the middle, and the names or the faces or the descriptions are the people that God's put closest to you. I just want to, I, I also got to do this exercise recently, and I knew some of the neighbors around me, but not all of them, and one of them is a, 
um, non-English speaking family across the street from us. And Jared and I have tried to, you know, wave and talk, but there's been just the barrier of not having a shared language. And uh, just a couple weeks ago, had been just praying for an opportunity to to connect with them. And um, their son-in-law was outside. They had had something happen, and somebody stopped by the house, and they were trying to figure out something that had happened. And he, um, so I was able to, to meet him and introduce our, we, we exchanged numbers. So they come over from Camas to our neighborhood in Park Rose every week to check on, on the parents because they're, they're elderly. And so we got their names. And um, the other day I waved to her and said her name and it was like her face just lit up. And I thought, oh, what would it be like to live in a neighborhood with people all around you and not have anybody know your name? just the, the simple joy that she had of just being known. I just thought that was so cool. Yeah. That's really cool. I want to do this. Uh, we're going to, we're going to take communion. If you've got, um, if you've got, if you're here in the building and you've got that, that little cup, um, push down before you pull up that, that helps. Um, if you're at home and want to grab some elements, um, bread or crackers and, and juice, um, I want to, I want to read our our vision statement um, that God led us to, um, and then pray, and then we'll take communion together. But this is the, the vision, as, as we've been telling this story the last number of weeks, that in the spring of 2019, we went through an intentional visioning process, um, and God spoke to us very clearly. We began sharing it in January of 2020. We had about 100, 120 leaders together and shared that with all of the leaders within Mosaic, uh, and then 72 hours um, after the pandemic was, we couldn't meet anymore. It was when we had an event planned to share with the whole church. And, and now is when we're finally getting around to doing that um, and realizing that being through this pandemic in it, wherever, whatever stage we're at, is that God has further clarified what it is that he's called us to. In a city known for self-reliance, loneliness, and cynicism, we are compelled by the love of Jesus to live distinctly different lives. We will contribute to a movement of courageous and resilient disciples formed by God's word, empowered by the Holy Spirit as we read today, and sent by Jesus. By 2025, we will equip and commission 500 people who break barriers, love neighbors, and uniquely contribute to more of God's kingdom coming in the Portland-Vancouver metro area. And we dream of a day when every cynic trusts the Savior, the lonely find a family, and every activist joins God's mission. Mm-hmm. When we ask the question of houses, of where God placed us, it's, it's us living this out. It's being distinctly different in where the, wherever God has placed us. And as Kim read First Peter earlier, the first phrase of that is, as we come to him. Mm-hmm. As we come to him, as we go with him, as we live with him, as we abide with him. As we are with him, God is with us. And so as we take communion today, we remember that it's by the power of Jesus that he lived, died, was buried, conquered death, and rose again, and promises to be with us wherever we are. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus, we take this now as remembrance of you and what you've done for us, that you are with us now through the Holy Spirit, that you are alive, that you are not dead, that you've conquered death and ascended to heaven, and that you know us, that you love us, that you walk with us, that you never leave us. And so we take this in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take together.